Hey, so glad you're joining us this weekend. And uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm Dan. I happen to be one of the pastors here at uh, the Norton Campus of Grace Church and glad that you're hanging out with us. Uh, hopefully you have a great holiday. We're glad that you're joining us this weekend. Uh, we have some unique things going on here this weekend. Uh, the way we have been saying it is this, in light of the present circumstances, we're taking Sunday services and we're making them service Sundays. And so we had a great time last weekend. Those of you who came out, uh, we had people making baskets for people that uh, just have needs. Uh, we we uh, had some encouragement cards for frontline workers, military, people praying. And then we went out and Christmas caroled, and it was a blast. And so we're going to do that again this week. Uh, if you're watching this Saturday night, man, go online, sign up, come, be a part of Sunday. As we just kind of take this obstacle to meeting and turn it into an opportunity to mobilize. That's what we're doing. Then Christmas Eve, we're doing a drive-in, right? And so you want to write these uh, times down, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, Christmas Eve. Love for you to come hang out with us as we just celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's going to be fun, right? It's going to be a neat, unique opportunity. So look forward to seeing you then. Uh, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> if I gave you this phrase, would you know what movie it came from? Stink, stank, stunk. Anybody got it? Raise your hand, right? You got it? Yeah, the movie. What? Where does that phrase come from? Well, it comes from one of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't know how you feel about this, but one of my f favorite from the time I was a child uh, was The Grinch That Stole Christmas. And by the way, cartoon version, please, right? But The Grinch That Stole Christmas, man, I don't know. Maybe it reveals my dark side. I'm not sure. But it's based off a book that kind of goes like this. Uh, all the Who girls and boys would wake up bright and early. Remember this? They'd rush for their toys and then, oh, the noise, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he, the Grinch, hated. The noise, the noise, noise, noise. Then the Who's, young and old, would sit down in a feast. And they'd feast, and they'd feast, they'd feast, feast, feast. They'd start on Who pudding, rare Who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. You remember that? And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand and the who's would start singing. They'd sing, they'd sing, they'd sing. The Grinch hated it all, right? The toys, the music, tons of food. And you know the story, right? The Grinch so hated to see them having a good time. He so hated the joy of Whoville that he literally solicited and recruited his dog, Max, right? You feel, feel bad for Max, right? Becomes the reindeer. And he goes down and he literally takes everything that he thought brought them joy, clear down to the last crumb. So you get to the Christmas day and they wake up and the town is bare. Christmas trees. I mean, it's crazy, right? The movie's I was always mesmerized as a kid. He's like, he's pulling Christmas trees up the chimney and all that kind of, nothing on Christmas day. There's not a thing. And he literally is standing at the top of the hill waiting to see this Whoville town, all the joy gone, until they come out, right? And they stand around the Christmas tree and they sing. The joy's there, right? And it literally says in the story that the Grinch, whose heart was too small, all of a sudden has a heart that grows three sizes that day. I love that, right? Uh, I heard that uh, this year there's a sequel coming out to The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Did you hear that? Yeah. Here's the name of it. The Grinch That Stole 2020. 
Anybody feel that way? It feels like the truth is this. It feels like it's not just the Grinch stole Christmas in 2020. It feels like he stole the whole year. 2020 is the year that the Grinch stole Christmas and just about everything else. In fact, I would say this, that it has inspired uh, some different creative ideas for gifts. Uh, you can get a t-shirt that literally says 2020, stink, stank, stunk. Some of you are thinking, man, I haven't gotten anything for Uncle So-and-so yet. Here you go, right? Or maybe you could get a uh, decoration, a shirt that says this, the Grinch with his face mask on, right? 2020. Interesting. These are just the ones I could show you, by the way, right? But it's kind of inspired some innovative, creative Christmas gifts. It makes it really conflicting uh, when you come to that familiar part in the Christmas story. Because the fact is this, for a lot of people, 2020 has been like joy just evaporating from their life. Everything that brought you joy seems to be gone. It almost feels like the Grinch ripped it off, right? It feels like coronavirus being the Grinch. And it makes it conflicting when you go to that original Christmas story because here's what it says. Verse 8, Luke chapter 2. You probably have heard this, right? This is, this is a very familiar part of the Christmas story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Angel of the Lord appeared to them. Glory of the Lord. Can you imagine this? Shone around them. They were afraid. They were terrified. I bet they were. But the angel says something interesting. He says, don't be afraid. And then he says this, but I bring you, here it is, Good news that will cause, say it out loud with me, cause what? Great joy. For who? For all the people. Good news going to cause great joy for all the people. And you read that in a normal year and you're like, wow, you feel warm and fuzzy inside. But you read that in 2020 and you think, what? <laughs> Where's the great joy? Where's the good news? In a year when it looks like America lost its smile, and much of the world has lost its joy. Fact of the matter is, a lot of people are trying to get joy. They're chasing joy. And there's all kinds of things that can steal our joy, can rob our joy. First is this. Just write this down. Some circumstances can steal my joy. My life would be full of joy if things just went how I wanted them to go. Anybody with me on that? If they just went how I planned them to go, I got joy, right? Here's the deal. There would be joy in my world if my car did not break down. Amen? on the coldest day of the year. <laughs> or how about this? There'd be joy in my world if my gutters didn't clog. After the leaves were already frozen in them. Is there anybody tracking with me? There'd be joy in my world if my roof didn't leak the day I had company over. Anybody ever experienced that? It always feels like stuff like that happens when you're having people over. There'd be joy in my world, right? If I didn't have squirrels in my attic, right? Can I get an amen from Pastor Aiden on that right? Yeah, there'd be joy in my world if my hot water heater didn't go out, if my back never went out, if my food was always hot, if the cable didn't shut down when my favorite team was playing, right? Circumstances have a way of stealing our joy. There'd be joy in my world if my team won the game every time. In my case this year, just one time, right? I just need one win, right? Circumstances steal our joy. And, and here's the deal, Lena, that's a normal year. But you add to that a global pandemic and a contentious presidential election, and all of a sudden, circumstances steal your joy. I gotta wear this mask. I gotta go to school online. I gotta work virtually. All of a sudden, it can steal my joy. My, my vacation's been canceled. Circumstances steal our joy. 
here's the deal. That's not all, though, right? You, you know this. I know this. We all know this. Circumstances steal my joy, but people can rob my joy. You ever been around somebody that can rob your joy? Don't look at them, but you ever been around somebody like that, right? That They rob your joy. Uh, people can rob your joy. If you don't believe me, just go on Facebook for a minute or two. Like, whoa, right? It seems like there's a lot of joy missing, right? The fact of the matter, there'd be joy in my world if it wasn't for people. I would have joy in my world if my, my, my neighbor didn't allow his dog to use my yard, you understand, <laughs> right? I mean, there'd be joy in my world if my boss was just more understanding and nicer, unless you work here, of course, right? Yeah, there'd be joy in my world if people didn't text and drive and then look at me like I got five eyes when they almost T-boned me, right? Are you tracking with me? I mean, there'd be joy in my world if, if people didn't throw their trash in my ditch, and that really does happen. Right? There'd be joy in my world if the lady in the line at Target didn't wait until right when she checked out the clipper coupons, right? You ever, like, there'd be joy in my world if, if the parents over here could quiet their crying baby when I'm taking my wife out for that rare dinner night out, right? There'd be joy in my world if my wife always knew what I needed, if my kids just always cooperated. There would be joy if the company would know when to leave, Amen. And there'd be joy in my world if the preacher preached shorter sermons. That's not happening, right? But there'd be joy. People rob my joy. That's just a run-of-a-mill year, right? That's a 2019 kind of year. But you add to that a year like 2020, global pandemic, presidential election. People are frustrated. And then what happens? They become frustrating. Seems like everybody has an opinion about something, right? And all of a sudden, people can rob our joy. People rob my joy, circumstances steal my joy. And you know what else? Something else I found. I want you to lean in. There's a little secret here, right? A little secret. Because this might surprise you coming from a pastor. But I want you to write it down this way. Circumstances, people, but being religious doesn't guarantee joy. Whew. In fact, sometimes being religious has just the opposite effect. Sometimes it's religious people who are the crankiest, most opinionated people in the room. And you know what? Sometimes they enjoy being joy wreckers. Truly, it can feel like the Grinch stepped in and stole joy. And that makes me think of the movie and the book, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Honestly, it does. That particular story was written by a guy named Theodore Geisel. I don't know if you know his story. Maybe you didn't even know that he's the one that wrote it. Theodore was born a Lutheran, raised a Lutheran. He died a Lutheran. He was a very religious man. He was very familiar with the world of religious people. After high school, Theodore Geisel went on to Dartmouth College. He wanted to earn his degree. But ultimately what he wanted to do, he wanted to get a doctorate. He wanted to go to the prestigious Oxford University and he wanted a doctorate in both philosophy and literature. His passion was simply this. He wanted to see what would happen when you combine the great questions of life with the great stories of life. That's interesting. The great questions of life with the great stories of life. So he began his doctorate, but he never finished. Why? He met a woman, fell in love, and they started a family. So instead of getting his doctorate, Theodore became a political cartoonist. He was known for having the ability to ask meaningful questions with just a very few words. In particular cultural situations, he was able to, with his political cartoons, ask meaningful questions during World War II, the Holocaust, in terms of racism, 
Just because he never earned his doctorate from Oxford doesn't mean he couldn't, ready, pretend to be a doctor. So that's what he did. He began writing children's books using his middle name as his pen name. And his middle name, you ready, just happened to be Seuss. And there is where we get Dr. Seuss, the one who wrote Green Eggs and Ham, the one who wrote Horton Hears a Who, the one who wrote The Cat in the Hat. He was asked one time this, he was asked this, he was asked if children's books, his in particular, had messages. They had messages. He simply stated this, you need to be careful, he said, and subversive because a child can spot a message a mile off. But this is what he said. He said what he really wanted, ready, was to have adults asking really big questions while they read their children really entertaining books. Such was the case in 1957 when this Lutheran boy uh, saw the war end and a shift took place in culture. This is so interesting to me. The culture began chasing fulfillment, meaning through consumerism. Suburbia was born and all of a sudden credit cards became common. People began chasing this ever elusive joy. People were chasing it in the shopping mall, materialism. Theodore began to ask himself the question, what would happen? What would happen if someone took away all the stuff, all the stuff that seemed to bring people joy? And now you can see what inspired the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. You see, Theodore Seuss Geisel stood between two worlds, as it were, and he saw two groups of people chasing the ever-elusive joy, just like today, just like some of you. And the two platforms that he stood between, he watched. He watched as people were chasing it and everything this world had to offer. Party, materialism, consume. I just want to get everything I can. But he also watched from the platform of his religious Lutheran world. And he watched as he watched from that particular platform. And the thing that he found out was this, is that joy was just as scarce there as it was here. It was just as elusive there. He saw in the religious world people that had become so burdened under the duty of their religion that they totally lost their joy. Here's the deal. Theodore wanted adults asking big questions as they read really entertaining books to their kids. And there was a, another person in history who used to tell little stories that a child could understand in a way that asked really, really big questions. His name was Jesus. One day he stood not between two platforms. He stood literally between two groups of people and he told some stories. It's found in Luke 15. And here's what it says. The beginning of the chapter says, the tax collectors and sinners, so you can get the picture. I don't need to, to describe them. They are described. They're the outcast. They're the messy people. They're the broken people. They're the people who have a reputation. They're the people everybody knew what they were all about. They were gathering around to hear Jesus. But there's another group of people, much like Theodore, 
the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the really religious people, they were there as well, and they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You couldn't get a more different audience, and they're all crowding around Jesus. And he tells some stories. He tells three in particular in Luke 15. The first two have to do with somebody losing something and the joy that comes with having found what was lost. But I'm particularly intrigued by the time you get to verse 11 because Jesus tells the third story. And this is what he says. There was a man, and that man had two sons. Two sons. Remember, Jesus is standing and his audience has two distinct people. And this man has two sons. And as Jesus tells the story, there's a younger son and an older son. And as the story goes, the younger son comes to the dad. And he says, I want my share of the inheritance. Now that sounds benign to us, but it would have literally in their culture been a slap in the face to the dad. He literally was saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were already dead so I could get what's coming to me. The father obliged, gave him his share of the inheritance. The younger son takes it and he begins to just like the people Theodore saw. He chases everything that's going to bring him joy. Party, friends, materialism. He's going to get everything he can get while the getting's good. And then a year like 2020 happens. Circumstances shift. Friends desert. And here's literally what it says. Verse 14, after he had spent everything. Everything's gone. Severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He's literally feeding the pigs. He has everything he's feeding the pigs. He has the friends. Now it's just him and the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating. He went from eating prime rib to literally being jealous of what the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, I wonder how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare. Here I am. He, be, he said, I'm starving and even my father's servants. His chase for joy had literally ended in a pig pen. I bet in the pig pen he had to begin thinking not only about his father's servants, but I wonder, my older brother, how good it must be for him. How much joy he must be experiencing. Nothing could be further from the truth, though. You see, the older son, very quickly the people listening to Jesus, they would have been like, oh, I see who he represents. He represents the religious people listening to Jesus. He represents the religious teachers listening to Jesus. And if you know the story, the older son was nothing near close to having joy. Literally, his joy was lost under the drudgery of the duty of the things that he did at his father's house. When dad threw a party, when the younger son came home, the older son isn't joyful, but he literally is jealous and angry. Here's what it says in Luke 15. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. They're celebrating. So he called one of the servants, and he asked him, What's going on? Your brother's come home, and your father's killed the fatted calf, because he has him back safe and sound. The younger brother came home. Dad throws a party. The older brother, what, became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pled with him. 
This is so interesting to me. Here Jesus was between two groups chasing joy in two very different ways, making the point that joy is ever elusive yet always available. Quite frankly, that's where some of you are this weekend. You're listening to this, and you're between two worlds. Helena, for some of you, the chase for joy has left you. Literally, and the realities of 2020 have served to dampen your joy. It's gone. You can't get your arms around it. Some of you can relate with a younger brother because you literally are living in the pig pen of your decisions. You feel the shame, the regret, the what-ifs that I wish I wouldn't have. Others of you, people have destroyed the joy in your life. They said they'd be there and they aren't. They said that you could trust them and they betrayed you. They killed your dream. They wounded your spirit. And then there's those of you who are listening. And what you've done is you've turned to religion. And you know what happened in, in the meantime? Religion sabotaged your joy. Like you turned to religion and you thought, that's where I'll get joy. But instead of making you somebody who had joy, it turned you, ready, into a Grinch. And literally, if you're honest, you become a killjoy. You see, all this takes me back to where we started, back to the original Christmas story. And there's something interesting in there. Because this joy we want to get our arms around, that the angels told the shepherds that first Christmas was available, is something that the very first Christmas story speaks of. Here's what it says. It says, verse 8, Those shepherds, blue-collar guys, they weren't even allowed to enter the temple living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Angel of the Lord appears, glory of the Lord shines around them, and they're terrified. Angel says, don't be afraid, I bring you here. It is good news that will cause great joy. Literally, the way that's written is it's going to cause mega joy. We could use some of that, couldn't we? Could you use some of that? Could you use some mega joy this year? Well, who's that for? For all people. For all people. But what he says next is interesting to me. Today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Now this is interesting. Sounds cute in a Christmas play. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Some of you have maybe heard this terminology He'll literally be wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Greek word there is a very unique word. Swaddling clothes. It's like, what difference does that make? Literally the angel says to the shepherds, go find the baby that's wrapped in these swaddling cloths. And that's going to be the sign that that's the Savior, the one who will save you from your sins. You see, what difference would that have made to the shepherds? Well, when the angel said swaddling clothes, it would have made all the difference in the world. One commentator I read said this, that these shepherds, more than likely, because they're watching the sheep at night, were what you would call priest shepherds. In other words, they watched the sheep that would have been eventually sacrificed. And so they knew exactly how to take care of lambs when they were born. They would literally, when a ewe was ready to give birth, 
they would take the newborn lamb and they would literally, you ready? Wrap it in swaddling cloths and lie it in a ceremonially pure manger. The angel says, go find a baby that's wrapped in those swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Makes it interesting because as soon as the angel says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. On earth peace to those on whom his grace favor rests. Angel left them, gone into heaven. Shepherds, imagine their, how they're feeling. They say to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Can you imagine that moment when the shepherds came and they see in the manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, this baby. This baby who would grow up. And when he grew up, eventually John the Baptist saw this man, the baby now man, coming his way. And look at what he says. John saw Jesus coming, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The shepherds in the presence of the Lamb of God, who is the one who in John 10 said, I'm not just the Lamb of God, but I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is the good news that causes great joy. All this begs a question this Christmas. What if your chase of joy that has left some of you in the pig pen of your decisions, pig pen of disappointment. Some of you, it's left under the drudgery of your duty. What if this whole time, joy has been chasing you? What if while you've been chasing joy and can't get your arms around it, maybe feel like 2020 stole it, what if this whole time, joy has been chasing you? What if the secret to that question was what brought Jesus to earth in the first place. Hebrews 12 says this, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now look at this, for the what? Say the word out loud, for the what? The joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Guys, listen, listen. What if this Christmas, what if all this time you and I have been chasing joy, the joy of Christmas has been chasing us? What if Jesus is the reason for the season? But what if there's more to it than that? What if we're the reason Jesus came this season? What if, I would write it down this way, what if I am the joy that inspired Christmas? You ever think about that? That you're the joy that inspired Christmas? What joy that was set before Jesus caused him to endure the cross? Spoiler alert, it's you. It's me. We're the joy. What if all this time we've been looking for joy, the message of Christmas is that joy has been looking for us? What if joy was not simply something that happened to us, but what if it was something that happened for us? What if real and lasting joy was about accepting God's invitation to join him in what brings him joy? Do you know what that would mean? this Christmas, you know what it mean? I want you to write this down. It mean this, I could stop chasing joy. I could start choosing joy. That's what it mean. You know what the shepherds did? They ran to Jesus. 
They said there's where good news of great joy is. It's found in that little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. They ran to Jesus because laying in that manger was the secret to joy. It wasn't more possessions. It wasn't a different position. It was found in a person, and that's Jesus. Guys, I want to tell you something. In Jesus, the endless and exhausting chase could stop, and I could start choosing joy. Instead of, for some of you, instead of chasing the joy that comes when I finally make a name for myself, I could choose to accept the name I receive from Jesus when I say yes to him. Instead of chasing a pathway out of my guilt, I could choose the gift of forgiveness that's in Jesus. Instead of chasing approval from others and even from God, I can choose to receive the approval that comes in Christ. Instead of this frantic chase for security, I can choose the security from my relationship with him. I can choose joy. I could stop living for joy, and I could start living from the joy found in Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? The fact of the matter is, both these boys in the story that we looked at in Luke 15, they were chasing joy. One was going to chase it and get everything he could get. One was going to try to under the duty and diligence of a religious devotion to his father. He was going to hopefully find joy. Two different paths, totally different paths, representing two totally different groups of people. And yet, when you read the story, only one of those boys, when he got to the end, it says, came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, what did he do? He ran back to his father, and there he found a surprise. The surprise that he found is simply this. Let me read it to you. We don't have a slide for it, but it says, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said, I sinned. The dad said, get a robe. Get sandals for his feet. Put on a feast. We're going to celebrate. Today is a day of great joy. The father ran to meet the son. The father was full of joy and the boy then was full of joy. I want you to write this down somewhere. Great joy. Lasting joy, the gift of joy, is found in the presence of the Father, and it's found around his tree. His tree doesn't look like your Christmas tree, but his tree is the cross. That's why Jesus came. That's why Christmas. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the what? Father but through me. fact of the matter is, this elusive chase is something you can choose. And joy is found in a relationship with the Father that only comes through Christ. And it comes through Christ because around his tree, the cross, that's where Jesus died for you and for me so that we could have lasting, enduring joy. If you read the story, the older brother's mad He's mad. Like the younger brother gets off scot-free. You gotta be kidding me. He won't even come in and join the party. Why? His religious devotion and duty had killed his joy. I wanna tell you something. He religiously was slaving away and he became a picture of religion with no relationship. That's where some of you are at right now. 
you're religious. You've gone to church for more years than maybe I've been alive. You have no joy. Because somewhere along the way you have religion, no relationship, and therefore there's no joy. You see, when I choose joy, I begin to live from joy. And you know what happens? I want you to write this down. I can spread joy instead of killing joy. I can spread. I, joy becomes contagious in me. I know that's probably a bad word in the light of what we're going through, right? But joy becomes contagious. Can I ask you a question? Is joy contagious in you? That's the first Christmas. Look back at Luke 2. When they had seen him, they what? Spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary treasured these things up and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Their joy was contagious. Here's the deal. Are you chasing joy? Some of you find yourself right down here in a pig pen of your decisions. 2020 has stolen your joy. You can't get your hands around it. I have good news for you. Joy's chasing you. You're like, but I've gone too far. I've messed up too bad. And the fact of the matter is that in Christ, the Father's waiting to wrap his arms around you, throw a robe on you, and say, let's celebrate. There are some of you watching this and you're chasing joy and you thought you could find it in religion and what happened instead is you've become a Grinch, a killjoy, under the duty of your devotion. I want to tell you this, that true, lasting, enduring joy is found in the presence of the Father around the tree where we have the gift of grace. When I truly open that gift in my life, I become contagious. I become contagious. I become a spreader of joy, not somebody who desires to kill joy. Joy, the joy that seems to elude us, the joy that 2020 seemed to steal from us is something that is found in Christ. It's not more possessions or position, but a person, and that is Jesus. So God, this Christmas, I pray that you would help us to embrace the good news of Jesus that brings mega joy that no one can steal. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.